0: Hey guys, Story 2017 is next week. I can't believe it's finally here. We'll be taking a break next week for the conference. And let's be honest, probably the week after while we recover from what promises to be an incredible few days. But don't worry, we are going to be interviewing some incredible people backstage over the course of the event. If you haven't checked out our speaker lineup yet, take a moment to check it out. It'll give you a glimpse of who's coming up on the podcast over the next few months. So just check out story2017.com. There's also still time to register, but don't put it off any longer. It's literally next week. If you already have your ticket, please take a moment to find me. Introduce yourself next week in Nashville. I can't wait to see you there. Until then, enjoy this week's episode of the Story Podcast. We're talking about killing spiders. Trust me, it's a good one. There are things meant for
1: you that are currently beyond your imagination. The only way to become a better storyteller is by telling more stories. Your greatest work may not be seen by millions of people. Keep making anyway.
2: To be a writer, we have to sit down and we have to do the work, and we don't get up until it's finished.
1: The only hope we have are the stories we tell. Stories not bound by what is possible. We are proud to be storytellers.
0: Hello everyone, I am Harris III, And this week, Sammy Harvey and I sat down with our friend Carlos Whitaker. I am
1: Carlos Whitaker. By the way, that's how you say my name. <laughs> is a I'm a hope dealer. That's what I am. I I, I sling hope.
0: You just sling it, hope. I
1: sling hope in various in mm-hmm. various formats. Um, cause I can't tell you what I do. Like, you know, I'm not just an author or speaker or whatever, or like that. That's what I, that's literally what I do every day, whether it's at home with my wife and kids or I'm on a stage somewhere or if someone's reading the words I'm, um, I'm writing. I'm literally just trying to like infuse hope down their pie hole. Like I just want them to be stuffed with hope. <laughs> <laughs> they just need to be stuffed with hope. Cause man, we are, we are in a, there's there's not a lot of that going around these days so um,
0: no joke so, it's been a rough week on twitter
1: alone uh, yeah for sure I, i've 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 had to now like put in like new twitter rules in my in my life just because it sucks me of hope you know yeah. and so i'm like oh the days i don't look at it i'm suddenly filled with hope so
2: yeah but at the same time you have to be careful too because you don't want to be completely checked out
1: no yeah no but but you have to um
2: it's got to be you, a balance you,
1: you you don't want to be completely checked out, but I'm, I tell you what, for anyone listening to this, if you spend an hour a day on Twitter, you will be sucked of hope. Like it will it will suck your soul dry. Um, now you can find hopeful content on there, um, and if you do that, then but that's not normally what Twitter's for. On Twitter you open it to, to see why people are mad at each other, <laughs> you know, and uh, or to see you know. I I know that I follow people that I. Agree with and disagree with on Twitter on purpose, right? Yeah, and right. so yeah. right. You, know, you you have to do that on purpose so that you keep things balanced. But but I do um, I do have to keep it. Like I, I have two Twitter free days a week. So and those days switch, but there are days that I specifically don't even open it because once I'm in, I'm like, oh, I'm in, and I've got forty five different things now that I've got to complain about, or love, or preach about, or whatever. So it just it's good for my my soul and my brain, and mm. yeah, you know, um, it's good for I think it's also good for you know. I think we we are we overconsume information now. Um, I don't think that we as cu- humans were created to consume the amount of information at the speed of light that we're consuming it these days. And I think you can tell by the m- amount of ticks that people have, and <laughs> you know the amount of medicine that we're taking. <laughs> and I just don't think that was the case 150 years ago. Now sure. things are different, you know. Now, but uh, and listen. I know you can't see me on the podcast, but you're, you're not talking to a farmer here that lives in the forest. <laughs> okay. Like I am, I'm all in when it comes to all of the technology and all the stuff. But, um, but I don't know how we even got there that fast.
0: Because I mean, you're the hopeslinger.
2: <laughs> you're the hope <laughs> slinger. And that the was hope
0: slinger. something. And we need you to be. If you're the hopeslinger. Yeah. Well, it was you're hope not dealer. Your it, hope.
1: it started with dealer, but now slinger. <laughs> I'm kind of liking it a little bit I better. Like that. Yeah. Cause cause I Because I kind of feel like the Lone Ranger. Like,
0: <laughs> <Hello>. <laughs> hope dealer means I've got to deal with you to get the hope. Slinger means you're <laughs> oh, slinging it at me whether I like it or not. It's for free. It's for free. Yeah. Sammy, here's some hope.
1: <laughs> you got, got it. it. Yeah. Thanks. I love that so much.
0: Carlos Whitaker is a People's Choice Award winner, a former recording artist signed to a major label, a social media maven, and currently spends the majority of his time writing books and speaking on stages around the world. It really began when the Whitakers found their family in America's spotlight, with appearances on shows like CBS Early Morning, The Today Show, and more, when their video, Single Ladies Devastation, went viral. But for Carlos, his wife, Heather, and their three children, this viral moment was just a snapshot of the bigger picture. He really is one of the kindest people I've ever met and it's been fun to watch his journey over the years from creative director to recording artist to speaker and author his range of experience has birthed some incredible perspective and it didn't take long to start learning from him and his insight during our interview it's true hope slinger couldn't possibly describe him any better but he does that best by being what I've always seen him as a storyteller so i i would argue then you know kind of watching you from afar for years now now being friends that the medium through which you sling hope is often as a storyteller yes. in a variety of, of mediums. So let's dig into that. How how in the world did you... Was there an aha moment at some point where you realized like, oh, I'm a, sto- I'm a storyteller. That's what I do.
1: Yeah, there actually was an aha moment. I I, um, I was the kind of music pastor guy at a church in Riverside, California for 10 years. And um, I slowly but surely realized I, I started a blog maybe four years into that journey there. And I was, I was writing every day. And I I just started seeing more and more of my uh, kind of where I was um, affecting people's lives was on the internet and not on the stage. And I would just keep, would keep writing and then YouTube came along. And then this was kind of the, the, kind of the, the moment that I realized, oh, okay, this storytelling thing is, can really change the world. Um, we YouTube was a baby at this point, and we had uh, gone to adopt my son, Lesiah, in South Korea. And so I just I'd heard of YouTube. This was like right right after Real Player. <laughs> Remember there there was like the Real Player yes. video player. And it's oh yes. there's a new way that, that you can embed videos on your website is through this thing called YouTube. So I we went to adopt Lesiah. We spent 13 days in South Korea, and I filmed an episode every day. Of our thirteen days, of our whole trip to go get him.
2: How cool! That's and awesome.
1: Yeah, little did I. Now they call that vlogging. Like that. that that's <laughs> yeah. it's, it's like a. There's like conferences on how to do that now. This was just we just kind of did it, and so we had these like fifteen to twenty minute episodes of our day, and and suddenly these videos of us going to get Losai, especially the last two where we actually went and saw him and picked him up. As of last count, there's there's at least at least. Last Heather's count, my wife, 130 kids that have been adopted because people saw wow. these videos wow. of us going to adopt Loseya, 130 kids of us going to adopt Losiah and then them going, We want to do that. I want to do that. And mm-hmm. so now the Loseya's adoption videos are, you know, they've been viewed hundreds of thousands of times. But at that moment, I realized, okay, I can. And I think I saw myself as a storyteller because a lot of people could video themselves going to do something and it not be interesting. You have to be able to. There's a story arc. You have to right. be able to tell a story mm-hmm. in order to keep it, you know. And I think, oh, I think I saw that I, I had that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so although I maintain my, my paid position of doing what I did as a job, this became something um, more as far as my ethos and my heartbeat, just keep telling stories, whether it be on the internet and then YouTube videos. And then we had this video go viral on YouTube, which um, more viral than the adoption video. We won a People's Choice Award for a video. And again, it's because it was... Uh, it was I think purposeful storytelling when it, when it came to that and here's things just kept you know the whole storyteller thing just kept going and kept going and it went from writing songs, stories and songs to videos to books to blogs to whatever it may be. I'm gonna keep slinging hope through these stories like I just slung at Sammy. Whoops. <laughs> I, so I awesome. love it
0: because it's. I love that it's taking place on a variety of platforms because yeah. I think what happens when we work in within one art form, like I talk to musicians, for example, and they go, oh, no, I'm not really a storyteller, I'm a musician, I just write songs. Yeah. Or you talk to a painter and they're like, no, I'm not really a storyteller, I'm just a painter. And you could say, oh, I'm just a blogger or I'm just a writer or I'm just a video guy, yeah. YouTuber. I think the things that all those things share in common is the fact that it doesn't matter what platform it is, you're telling a story yeah. through it.
1: Yeah, no, ab- absolutely. You're, you're telling a story through it, and you know, I mean, not to over storyfy the story podcast, but I mean, we're I'm, we're living them, right? We're we're living these stories, um, and and I do kind of look at my life and the life of my kids um, as as a story. And you know, there's a sharpie sitting in front of me. I I feel like every day we've got a sharpie, and you know, we don't have a pencil with an eraser. We've got a sharpie that we're writing our story with, right? And so like, hmm. it, this this life is really powerful. This sharpie is really powerful, and so. Um, I, I love to I love to write with the Sharpie and, and help people find find hope, you know, mm. especially, you know, hope out of we, we live in a we live in a pretty jacked up world. I mean, things are rough, but inside of that jacked up world, there's beauty, you know, and um, um, it takes some people like, you know, like even Sammy and what, what you guys are doing with with what you do with the good newspaper and things like finding finding great stories that, that are going to bring hope, sling hope to people. Mm. Um, yeah, it's a power, powerful, powerful thing.
0: Yeah,
2: I love that. Tell us about uh, the most recent hope that you've been working on slinging out to the world. Ooh. Your book,
1: yeah. The recent bit of hope that I'm slinging to the world <laughs> is uh, I don't know why I just started <laughs> talking <laughs> in, in a Mexican American British accent, but it, it That's happened.
0: Good. We're trying to be more diverse in this okay. podcast, so that helps. <laughs> awesome.
1: <laughs> uh, my book m- next book is coming out. It's called "Kill the Spider." Doesn't sound very hopeful, uh, but it is, and. Um, my, my dad tells 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 a story. He actually told me this story as I was on my way to seven days of therapy. Um, he told me this story in the car, and he said, "I said, Dad, I don't I don't know why I'm I'm going to um, to this place, this therapy place. I just know that I keep rubbing shit on my blessings. That's what I told him, because that's what my therapist told me. He's like, Carlos, every time you something good happens, you rub shit on it. And I was like, oh. so I told my dad. I didn't say shit because my dad's a pastor. So I said, <laughs> I said crap on my blessings. <laughs> but I told him that he's and this way he said he goes, Carlos. You do rub shits on your blessings. He said. <laughs> <laughs> and then he goes, he goes, he goes, but let me tell you when I was in Panama, because I said, dad, I don't know why I'm going to this place. He goes, when I was in Panama preaching my very first revival, I was giving the invitation and the very first night of the invitation, Ms. Ramirez, she was 80 years old. She walked forward during the invitation. She comes to me, pastor, can you please pray that the Lord cleans the cobwebs from my life? Mm. And my dad said, he, he was like, oh, that's very poetic. And he was actually surprised coming from this 80-year-old lady, Ms. Ramirez. And so he said he prayed that the Lord would clean the cobwebs from her life. And then he said the next night she came forward again and she asked the same thing. Can you pray harder that he cleans the cobwebs from her life? So my dad said, I prayed that again. And then he goes, Carlos, the third night of the revival, she comes forward. And I knew she was going to come forward and say, he cleaned the cobwebs. But she comes forward and she goes, can you pray one more time that he cleans the cobwebs from my life? And my dad said he looked her square in the eyes and said, no, we're done praying that. Tonight we pray he kills the spider. And he said, Carlos, I've watched you your entire life clean the cobwebs, deal with symptom management, medicating mm. management of your life. You're really good at that, five steps to how to do this better and three steps to how to do that better. But you're there to, to find the spider, the producer of the medicating behaviors and to kill it. So that's what Kill the Spider is all about is, is helping people get past the subtitles, help you get past what's really holding you back. And it's so, that's so like, whatever, you know, like, like really like <laughs> the publisher. The you publisher yeah. you know it's, <laughs> it's like, it's like, I get it. You gotta be vague, but you got But no, it really is a, a uh, spider is, is a belief that's been holding you back because you believe something that's not true about yourself. Hmm. And the cobweb is the medicating behavior that brings you some semblance of relief. To whatever that that lie is that that you believe, sure. and so so the book's called Kill the Spider, and it's helping people um, get rid of what's really holding them back.
0: Yeah. So yeah. I don't know if we have anything else to talk about because artists and storytellers and creative community people—they don't, we don't they struggle don't do with that. With that
1: no. kind of they don't stuff. struggle with that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. We see
0: ourselves in the mirror as we actually are. Yes. <laughs> it's like they're
1: the most—they're the most holistic version of humanity that you've ever experienced. Nothing fragmented in any way. Nothing's complicated.
0: We yeah. have no insecurities. Our relationships are all healthy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so good. Yeah. Help help the creative community um, understand. The message of that book, in the context of what you see them struggling with,
1: yeah, you know. Um, so, so as a, as a storyteller, um, I I know that again. Let, let me re- redefine again. A a, uh, a spider is 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 a belief that you've agreed to that's not true. So a lie, okay. Um, and we all have those. We all have those things that we and and in some in some point in your life that was born for some way for some reason, and then a cobweb is a medicating behavior that helps you deal with that. Now, as a creative. I know that, um, <laughs> you know, we love creating the work. We hate to sell the work. We hate to, so, I mean, we'll just get super basic and simple here. Sure. You know, let's just talk about my book in general. Sure. Kill the Spider. I wrote this book. I put my blood, sweat, and tears into this book. I I, um, I get done with the book. I send a copy to a good friend of mine who, I, who loves everything that I do. And, and I have them read it. And they're like, hey, I'll get back to you tomorrow. And they didn't get back to me that day. And then I text them, hey, have you read it? Yeah, yeah, yeah I've read it, read it. I'll get back to you. And they didn't get back to me a week later. And what happens? I start believing a lie. Yeah. I start believing this lie is a creative. Oh my God, this thing must suck. Call the publisher. Tell them to burn all the copies, send them away, and then throw me off a cliff. Right? That's where we go. Like totally. that, that fast. That is that is an agreement with a with lie, right? That, that's what that is. Um and then, so let, let's let's even not even get to when my friend calls me back. And then what do I do? Now I, now I need to medicate that, that belief. Now I need to medicate that pain point. So everyone that's listening is going to medicate in different ways, right? You're going to medicate with, you know, and, and just to make things known here, not all medication is bad, right? So not all medicating behaviors are bad. There's some medicating behaviors that we have as creatives that I think are good. You know, so like I think if you need to veg out on Netflix, you know, I think that's okay. I think when you do that every night, seven hours a night mm-hmm. to escape the pain and the sorrow of your life, now we've, we're, we're dealing with the cobweb. So, hmm. you know, I have to make sure that that um, we all have to make sure that we're not um, medicating in, in bad ways whatever these lies are that we believe. So so my friend finally calls me back and he's like, dude, that was amazing. It was great. Can I write the foreword for the book? So suddenly it went from me believing a lie to, oh, no, this is actually truth. Um, now, the book goes into a lot deeper areas, a lot Kind of shadier, uglier things that, that we talk about, medicating behaviors we talk about, whether it be alcohol or pornography or different things that that humans tend to sprint to to find relief from whatever pain it is. Um, what I'm hoping this does, does, especially for a creative community, creative community of storytellers, is uh, bring us all to 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 one realization that that like your story, all it, it may be jacked up and ugly and ragged and you know, but your story is going to bring hope to somebody. And so I get vulnerable, super vulnerable in the book, vulnerable in the book, and I share some really low painful moments in my life where, I mean, I lost my family. I didn't live with my family for six months, many years ago. Um, I, I talk about that and I talk about what the lie was I believed in that got me there, what the medicating behaviors were, the cobwebs were that got me there, and then how I broke free from those things. Um, and, and really, I mean, it's, it's really simple. I mean, listen, you don't have to go by the book to understand. Here's, here's how you get rid of it. Here's how you kill your spider. You replace that lie with the truth. So you have to find what's true about you. You have to find what's true about, about who you are. I was I was speaking at a conference, um, gosh, a month ago, and two friends of mine were speaking as well. I didn't think they were speaking when I was speaking, but I showed up and I looked at the lineup, and I may have told you this, Harris, I can't remember, but. But Bob Goff, who's like everyone's favorite grandpa, was speaking right before me, okay? Amen. And then and then it was me, and then John Cuff was speaking right after me. And he's like the, the funniest. Every line out of his mouth is tweetable and, and witty, and it's, it makes me sick. So I got there, and I looked at the lineup, and I was like, oh, my gosh. Wh- why did they do this to me? Like, why do I have to now get up there and tell stories— after Bob and before John, I suck. Like I'm, I'm useless. Like what? Do, I'm per- mm-hmm. But but I saw those. Those are baby spiders, right? So those weren't birthed out of some traumatic moment in childhood. Now I'm talking about things that are birthed right then. And so bam, what do I have to do? I, I've got to call it out and I've got to replace that truth, or replace that lie with the truth. Get up there and do what I was called to do. So um, so that, that's really kind of the, the the heartbeat of the book, and um, yeah. it, it really takes people on my journey and then hopefully helps them get to their place.
2: Yeah. Could you give some advice on how um, creatives can help start replacing lies with truth? Yeah, how do you go down that road?
1: Um, it's a great a great example is I use my kids a lot as examples, and especially because I've got a a fifteen year old, a thirteen year old, and a 11-year-old, 10-year-old, eleven year old, ten year old, 11 right now. And my my kids as as teenagers, I, actually, to be honest with you, like creatives, even if you're fifty and a creative or sixty, we act a lot like Prepubescent teenage. <laughs> We're all kids we, at home. We are. Like, like yeah. we just I I look at like some of the kind of dramatic moments in my adult life, and I think, I'm acting a whole lot like a 14-year-old teenager right now. And it, it's really true. So, so the other day, um, my daughter came to me, and um she just was like, you know, um, I'm always doing things wrong. Like, you guys don't ever, you know, like I'm always the one that's this and that. And I and I look at her like, and I want to be like, That's not true. But then I think, oh, my, this is like exactly how I act whenever Mm -hmm. I, you know. So I can use this as a great example. Um, So she had this, you know, we we had to kind of discipline in some way, shape, or form. And then we're like, hey, so how do you feel about this? We can tell that you're kind of moping around the house. And she's like, well, you know, I'm just, I'm always, I'm not responsible. I'm this and that. So there's the lie. Bam. Okay. Because that's actually not true. Because she is responsible. So if you're listening to this and you're struggling with the lie as a creative, recognize the lie for what it is. And then what I made her do is start replacing that lie with truth. And Mr. or Mrs. Creative that's listening to this, you have to do that too. So I said, this is what I want you to do. I want you to tell me five responsible things that you've done in the last 24 hours. Oh, I can't do that. I haven't done anything. No, no, no. I, I want you to, I want you to. And so we had a dig for 20 minutes for the first one. Then we dug for five minutes for the second one. Then the third one just came out. And then the fourth one. And I want to let you know, in the next 10 minutes, I think she listed 25 to 30 responsible things that she had done. And suddenly she saw herself as a responsible person who every once in a while does irresponsible things instead of an irresponsible person that every once in a while does responsible things. So if you're creative, what you have to do, anyone listening to this, find the lie, whatever it is, and you can find, they're not that difficult to find, and then start writing down, I mean, this is very practical, but I will write down five things that are truths that defeat that lie. So you can start as simple as that, writing them down in your moleskin or whatever it may be.
0: Yeah, Sammy's been posting some of those. You've been posting like these daily oh, yeah. affirmations, right? It reminds really? me of hearing you talk about. It. It's just yeah. like, okay, this is the this is what I'm going to declare is true today yes, totally. about me. So daily important.
2: affirmations have been huge for me over the
1: last couple months. And, and what you're doing when you, when you do that is is you're speaking truth.
2: Right. Your life. Yeah. Even if it's I don't believe it in that moment. Yep. That's what I have to keep telling myself to yes. believe it. Yeah. Yeah. And then live into it and yes. let it challenge me. Yep.
0: Yeah. What I love about this is, you know, you're obviously outspoken about your faith. People who even may not share the same worldview as you, that's how they see you online, yeah. which I'm sure the faith component is a huge part of the book. Yeah. But what I love about it is how applicable that oh. idea and concept is to anyone, Absolutely. regardless of how they see the world or what their spirituality might be like. Because we all have these. Spiders that have to get crushed. Yes, and yeah. I even love that. Even when I asked you what the book was about, some people are like, "Here's the few steps. Here's what I write about in the book." You told us what the book was about by telling us a story. Yeah, which once yeah. again confirms that you're a great storyteller. <laughs> it's uh, true. About being in the car with your dad. How do yeah. you? I'm curious if maybe you can also because therapy does come up quite a bit on the podcast with yeah. different guests. Yeah, can you maybe speak a little bit about the role that therapy played Absolutely. in your life, even as not just as a dad and as a husband, as a human being, but yeah, did it. Did it change your creative process? Even
1: yeah, you know, th- therapy. I, I think therapists are what they are, are truth tellers in our lives. They're um, they're spider killers. And so, I I had been to um, this one therapist, Al Andrews, here in Nashville for like four years. And so he's the one that told me to stop robbing shit on my blessings. That's what I always do. And so I credit that to Al. And th- therapy was absolutely instrumental in all kinds of areas. Not not and also not just in traumatic moments of my life, but. When when I'm when things are great, they just make me. It just makes me better, right? And so so there's that. But I did go to you know, and a, many people have heard of it. Many people haven't. But a place called Onsite in 2013. Um, so Don Miller told me that he went, and he's like, "You should really get out of something out of this. So you should go." So that's when I went. Um, and he, here's the thing: this is what I tell people all the time. I, I believe that a therapist. Can help you get three quarters of the way to killing your spider. I believe that therapy can do that for you. I, I believe it's absolutely instrumental on s- in speeding up the process. I think therapy can help you identify your spider, can help you locate your spider, it can help you corner your spider. But I don't think that a therapist can kill your spider for you. Oh, yeah. Sure. You have to do the work. You yeah. have to do that yourself. So when it comes, now you found it, now you've cornered it, now you see that creepy thing, you see that lie. Now, now it doesn't happen have to happen in a therapist's office. Now you're going to have to do the work to really find the truth that is going to defeat that lie. Mm-hmm. Now you talk, Harris. That yes, I, the the book is blatantly, you know, I blatantly lean into my faith, um, but I I still do believe that people of all faiths can read this book, and the the common concept and the core concept of of replacing a lie with the truth in your life. It's applicable to everybody. It's applicable to us all. And uh, you know, I'm I'm actually I'm gonna be on this on this uh TV show that's in no way, shape, or form Christian, and they've asked me to not not do the Christian thing. And I was like, hey, that's totally fine. I can still talk about this because it's still true. I mean, you're, you could be an atheist, you could be a Buddhist, you could be a Christian, you could be whatever it may be, and and people are are strangled by lies in their life. Mm, totally. And they can't breathe. And so um, so So therapy really helped me get three quarters of the way. Once I stepped out of therapy, I had to do roll up my sleeves and kill the spider myself, which which definitely has freed me to be. I'm I'm telling you, I feel like my creative process and my um, just my creativity in general. I I thought that I was like I used to teach like at creative conferences and teach creative process and stuff like that. Like it everything's changed. Like my creative process has changed. The freedom that that I have uh, in belief, just the belief in myself. Has grown so much that that I've kind of developed a whole new creative process, and everything's morphing and changing. Yeah, um, and it's it's become something really cool.
2: Do you have any daily practices or rituals that you do? Yeah, what do those look like? I mean,
1: well, I mean, I've got all kinds of daily practices and rituals. Which one are we are we talking about specifically? <laughs> creative? Are yeah, we about-
2: specifically creative.
1: Yeah. So, um, so I've got I've got a thing called my my the explore step in my creative process. So I explore. I exhale and I empower. Those are like my three, the three steps that I teach people on. And, but the explore for me has become probably the best kind of creative life hack that I've done. So every, I've got a random alarm that goes off my phone um, that it goes off three times a day randomly. And it just says explore. So wherever I'm at in that moment, if, if we were sitting here in front of these podcast microphones, I would pull out my phone and I'd pull out Evernote and I would take a picture of something around me. Now, I happen to be in the story offices, so there's all kinds of creative inspiration sitting here. But sometimes I'm in Starbucks and I'm like, what What can I explore and tuck away for future use, creatively speaking, that's in Starbucks, you know? It's so fascinating. It, it, and so what I do is I'll, I'll look until I see something that, oh, I've never seen that angle. And so like even once, like I took a picture of the, you know, on the side of the Starbucks cups, like there's a little little squares where they write Venti Skinny Hazelnut Latte or whatever kind of drink mm-hmm. that you, you drink. Yeah. Um, wh- one moment, like when my explore alarm went off, I looked at the side and I was like, oh, "I've never seen that." And so, like, I, I took a picture of that. And now, this ha- this is a cr- a creative process that lent itself to real life. A few weeks later, I was on a date with my daughter, and because I'd stopped and on purpose took a picture of that, I was on my date with the- I was on a date with my daughter. I, we went to Starbucks, and when I walked up, I I happened to see it again. I saw the thing, and I was like, "Oh!" I, and I never would have seen that had I not stopped to explore. And so I ordered the drink. My daughter was sitting down. I said, hey, can you write these four words in those boxes for my daughter and then write her name on the bottom? And so I wrote four words that I love about my daughter in those four little boxes. And then when she, when, when we sat down, she turned the cup. She's like, Dad, look, they wrote gracious and da-da-da. And I was like, oh, yeah, those are words that describe you. And <laughs> she's like, did you tell them to write that? Now, this, you know, she was like 10 at, the point, at, at this point. And I was like, uh, yeah. And then we got to talk about that. But here's the beauty of it. Is because that little arm went off, because it sure. said explore, because I stopped to look at a stupid Starbucks cup that we've all seen 100,000 times and captured something in it, it allowed me to be creative in the moment um, that I needed to be creative in my life. So that explore thing for me, I still do it three times a day, wherever I'm at. I could be in airport, wherever I stop, I look around and I now have about 40, uh, up to, it, it kind of ebbs and flows, about 40,000 creative explore ideas that I have just in a bucket. That's amazing. And so it it frees, what, what it does is I'll end up going to a creative meeting and it makes me look like the most creative person in the room <laughs> why because i've done all the work ahead of time whereas everyone else is yeah. googling the most uncreative thing you can do when you're in a brainstorm meeting i already have all the ideas
0: it reminds me of just you know our theme this year i'm neck deep in the idea of curiosity because that's what our yeah. conference is about and i it reminds me of of living an intentionally curious life right because yeah. i think yeah. one one of the things that i've discovered is an enemy to curiosity, which is required to be as creative as we're capable of being mm. is kind of living under this illusion that we already know. Yeah. And so I think it's that idea of, Oh, I'm in a Starbucks. I've already seen there, everything there is. Yeah. There's no creative inspiration from Starbucks. Cause I've been here, done that. Yeah. Right. No. But that, that push to be more curious and explore.
1: Well, it, I'll, I'll tell you one other thing, Sammy, that, that I do not daily, but yearly. So that's kind of my daily grind is explore three times a day, but every year, and I've done this for, Almost thirteen years now. On January first, I pick a new creative thing to master that I'm not good at, out of my sweet spot. Like
2: a hobby. Like a hobby. Okay. Like
1: a hobby. So I'm like, I've got twelve months to become a good forger. Yeah. So I, 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 so two years ago, I was on a plane back. It was New Year's Eve. I was playing back from London, and there was a, I, I didn't have my thing yet. Yeah. And so, um, I was on my on, on a flight home. And I was watching a documentary on the plane, and it was this, this mathematician who became a knife forger. And I was like, what? something hit me. I was like, I want to make knives. Like, so, so you know what I did? I spent 12 months, and I, I, I handmade um, all of my tools. I went to the dump and bought a F-150 drum brake and I turned that drum brake with some <laughs> steel piping into a forge. And Losai and I learned to make knives. And we've made three knives now. Wow. Okay? We so what we, a like, story. I can make knives now, right? So I can make so knives. Awesome. I joked with Harris. I've 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 done magic was one year. So like I I became a really bad Hack magician, <laughs> right? And so, like, and I'm the magician that always gives it away after you want to hey, know I did it, you know? So I did that. I did photography one year and got got really into photography. Um, so this year's fly fishing for me. So like I was just really bad fly, that's something new. So every year I come up with something new to just learn. I just again curiosity. Um, gosh, I can't imagine not living a curious life.
0: Sure. Totally. I want to finish ironically where we began. This wasn't my plan, but you started off by dropping some serious wisdom regarding Twitter. And I know oh. a lot of people, when they see your name on the podcast lineup, they're going to go, Oh, yeah, I know that guy because you have such a strong social media presence. Let's maybe just finish talking to the creative community about social media, uh, the role that it plays in our lives, the role that it plays in the stories that we tell, yeah. the good, the bad. Yeah. It, I'm sure you have feelings on either side of it, but I do. Give us some wisdom.
1: You know, it it ebbs and flows. It, the feelings I I have really, you know, have a lot to do with the current seasonal life that I'm in. Um, but I, I mean the most powerful storytelling platforms we have are on social media right now. I mean, it just, it just says you can't deny that. And so the power for good and the power for change that we have, um, is, is massive. Again, speaking of being the author of a book called "Kill the Spider," we have to make sure that social media doesn't become a massive cobweb for us because it can. It's the king of FOMO, right? You, it used to just be Snapchat, now on Instagram stories, I see all my friends are hanging out, and I'm all of a sudden like 15 of my friends are in the same story somewhere in East Nashville at Harris's house, and I didn't get invited, and I'm like, oh my gosh, like what happened? And my identity starts being <laughs> starts being placed, on, so we have to be careful that our identity is not placed um, on it, and that that we're not living the FOMO lives on. Um, we, you know, on our social media channels, but, um, I, I believe that even more than just like marketing platforms, that's what people want to talk about social media and how to market and how to grow lists and things like that. I have found in the, like, actually it's a, it's a great example. Last week, the, the, for those who are listening later in the podcast, hurricane, um, What's the hurricane that hit Harvey. Harvey? Hurricane Harvey. I almost said Katrina, but because it, it was how that do you remember site. that? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. She's no, she's no. Here's here's something funny. So talk about storytelling specifically. Okay, there, there was a, there was a video uh, that went semi-viral of this news reporter stopping a a, 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 bo- a boat to rescue a truck driver down. Yeah. She was doing a live shot. Well, it had been going for 24 hours, and I'd seen that that the Twitter video was eight minutes long. So it was eight minutes long, and I, I watched a little bit, then I fast-forwarded a little bit, and it wasn't gaining the traction that I thought it should gain. So I downloaded it, edited it together in sixty seconds, and made a sixty-second version of that. I didn't ask anybody; it may have been illegal. I don't know. It was a news news clip, <laughs> but I downloaded it, and then I put it on my on my Instagram platform, and the thing was viewed like over one hundred thirty thousand times, like in twenty four hours. All of a sudden, it was. And Soledad O'Brien, who's she's mm-hmm. a news anchor who's been CNN. She, mm-hmm. Um, she direct messaged me, and she said, "Thank you." I don't know why anybody didn't think to shorten this to one minute and put it out there. Now that just shows the value and the power of short stories on social media. It went it went crazy. It went super viral, and it wasn't even my it wasn't even my story. I was just sharing somebody else's story. I just think that um, with the attention span, span shrinking, we have to be so thoughtful and deliberate deliberate on the the short story arcs that we're, that we're putting out there. Um, but I think they're just as powerful. They're, you know, I now treat my Instagram account. People ask me why I don't blog anymore. And I was like, Oh, I do. I just blog on my Instagram. Like I don't have, I don't make people go to Carlos slash blog to read my blog because they're already there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? So you go to where the people are at, you tell the people stories that are going to touch pain points in their lives that they need to find hope in. And that's that's what I hope all storytellers will do is Look at those that follow you. Look at those who you have influence over. Find the pain points in their lives and bring hope to those pain points. And you can do that uh, via social media. So, my, you know, my, I mean, the place I sit the most probably is Instagram. Um, I mean, I used to be really into Snapchat. I even had a whole Snapchat for rookies website, like Snapchatforrookies.com. <laughs> I, I got like 12,000 email addresses. I still haven't done anything with those because now none of them are on Snapchat anymore. But, um, but, but I, you know, I, again, any social media, that comes out. I jump on it. I like to try it. I like to see if things stick.
0: Um, yeah. And, you, um, you've always been kind of that early adopter. Go yeah. And, try it. yeah I am. and then we all sit back and go, oh, let's wait. Let's, let's, wait. <laughs> let's, let's see if Carlos <laughs> crashes, and crashes and burns. And burns. <laughs> cool. I'm not going to do that. Do you see that? <laughs> yeah. But then the, the flip side is, you know, you end up with tens of thousands of followers and we're all just like, sure. uh, okay, we should have been the one that got yeah. in line. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, it sounds like your goal, and I love this about you because it speaks to your humility, is while well, you feel like your thing is hope slinging that yeah. you hope that other people get inspired by it and hopefully that there's thousands of hope slingers as yes. a result Let's that we're all out there doing that together. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, it's obvious. It's obvious why you have the following that you do online. Yeah. We're all in, in need of hope. Um Before we wrap up here, tell us how to get your book and also tell people about some of the stuff they get, they pre-order because it's really creative. Some of the yeah. stuff with the the scoring. The music. Yeah. Tell us about that. Yeah.
1: So, you know, if you peer the book, you get a bunch of cool things. You get the video course. You get you know things that I can help you with. But one, probably the thing I'm most excited about is I had a friend of mine, a composer here in town. He scores films and um, TV stuff. He said, I, I talked to him. I just had the idea. I said, what if we had like a soundtrack to Kill the Spider? So cool. And we, the more we started talking about it, because music was what I did for 10 years before I started speaking and writing books. And this guy was actually in my band. And um, he goes, he goes why don't I do this? Let me read a chapter. And then score what I feel as I'm reading it. So what he actually ended up doing was reading it on his on his computer screen as as he was reading it, he was just kind of playing different chords and scoring it. And so he scored the entire book. So the book, the book has an instrumental soundtrack to it that was actually scored and written as he was reading the book. So I listened to it, and I just weep, because what it is, is a good friend of mine's heart and vision behind my words in my book. And so now I tell people, pre-order the book, you'll get this free. You'll get the the, um, the instrumental soundtrack for Kill the Spider. He also did it for my first book, Moment Maker. And it's incredible to hear the difference in in the t- moment maker sounds more like a Disney movie. <laughs> Whereas this one sounds more like Stranger Things. You know, but but um the the score is different, but it's really cool to, to actually read while you have this instrumental soundtrack no behind That's you. That's awesome. It's That's it's really a blast. Cool. So you can go there and you can pick that up uh, as so well as a
0: fun thing. Yeah, the I website. Yep, killthespider.com. Killthespider.com. Yeah. Man, thanks for coming in and talking to us.
2: Yeah, thanks so much. You guys are awesome.
0: Keep slinging hope. Slinging hope. Here you go. Sammy. <laughs>
1: Got it. <laughs>
0: Carlos is awesome. His whole family is amazing. His wife, Heather, is uber creative, and their kids are such a joy to be around. You can tell there's some serious hope slinging going on in his home. And you're going to love his book, Kill the Spider. So head on over to killthespider.com to pre-order and get those cool bonuses. A custom soundtrack for the book while you read? Are you kidding me? How cool is that? You can follow Carlos online if you don't already by following atloswit. That's just at L-O-S-W-H-I-T. And thanks to Sammy for joining me for another great interview. She's online at Sammy Harvey Co. That's Sammy with an I, at Sammy Harvey Co. Co. Check out the daily affirmations we mentioned. She's been posting those lately, and they've been great to read. As always, I am Harris Third, and I'm grateful you took the time to listen to the show. I can't wait to meet some of you next week at Story 2017. Thanks for listening.
2: This episode was produced by Harris III. It was mixed by Chad Michael Snavely and music was written by Aaron Farmer. The Story Podcast is a production of Astoria Collective.
0: Thank you for listening.